Thank you very much, Ruth. I'm sure you've all seen before and after adverts. Um, this one's for oven cleaner. Makes me feel a bit bad about the state of my own oven uh, at home. But there's there's all sorts of adverts like this. It might be oven cleaner, carpet cleaner. It might be a new diet, uh, an exercise regime, uh, shampoo, um, makeup. Um, before uh, and after. There's there's the before that looks really horrible. Then the after is bright, shining, and new. And there's, then there's the miracle product that will bring about this great change. Well, I don't know if you noticed during uh, the Bible passage that Ruth just read for us, but um, that reading uh, from the letter of St. Paul to the Ephesians, it's a before and after. Uh, I don't know if you noticed. Um, And it's all summed up uh, in verse 5 of chapter 2. Oh, I'm supposed to have this clicker, aren't I? No wonder. Woo. So we've got the before, so Ephesians chapter 5, chapter 2 verse 5 says, while we were spiritually dead in our disobedience, he brought us to life with Christ. It is by God's grace that you have been saved. So we've got the before, while we were spiritually dead in our disobedience. We've got the after, he brought us to life with Christ. And we've got the why. It is by God's grace that you have been saved. Um, So the before. um, While we were spiritually dead in our disobedience, it's it's strong-sounding stuff. Uh, And that was in the first three verses of uh, our reading. Uh, what What it really means is, we did what we wanted to do. We do what we want to do. Um, So from verse 2, at that time, you followed the world's evil ways. Um, Verse 3, actually, all of us were like them and lived according to our natural desires, doing whatever suited the wishes of our own bodies and minds. Notice that actually all of us were like them. That's that's St. Paul saying that. He's not saying, he's not describing some other group of people over there and and he's always been good. No, he's saying that, that even he the great apostle, used to be spiritually dead. He used to follow his own desires, lived according to our natural desires, doing whatever suited the wishes of our own minds and bodies. And and we know what that looks like um, when someone does what they want. I've got a three-year-old... Uh, she can't be with us today because her little brother's got chicken pox, so uh, they've all got to stay at home so as not to infect uh, people. But she's going through a big I want phase at the moment. I mean, a lot of the time, she's really sweet and nice and lovable. But if she decides she wants something, then she won't listen to what I say, what her mum says, what anybody else says. She'll do, she'll do all sorts of stupid things that aren't in her own best interests because she's so fixated on, I want, I want, I want. So we, you know, we've all seen it in toddlers. Actually, when we grow up, we just get better at, at camouflaging it, don't we? Our I wants get more sophisticated, or we at least learn to play off one against another. So, I, I want to stay in bed all morning, 
Um, but I want to keep my job, uh, and I don't want to annoy my wife too much, so I get out of bed. I'm still, in one sense, being driven by I want. It's just the, the I wants have changed. And of course we know, again, particularly if you've, if you've seen toddlers, but it happens in the adult world as well, if I'm living by I want, and if you're living by I want, then sooner or later that's going to cause conflict, isn't it? Living by I want is not the recipe for a peaceful world. Uh, but St. Paul says here that's how he used to live, that's how the Christians in Ephesus that he's writing to, that's how they used to live. That's how all of us naturally live. That's the before in all of our lives where we don't have any choice but to do what we want. And that leaves us trapped in conflict with other people and in conflict with God. So that's, that's the before. Uh, but then, wonderfully, that's not how it ends. We've got the after. While we were spiritually dead in our disobedience, whilst we were living by, I want. While we were spiritually dead in our disobedience, God brought us to life with Christ. God brought us to life with Christ. And in our union with Christ, he raised us up with him to rule with him in the heavenly world. This is, this is Paul writing to these Christians in Ephesus, to these people who only about ten years before had put their trust in Jesus and starting to follow, started to follow him. Paul says to them, God has given you new life. He's raised you up with Christ and in a spiritual sense, seated you with Christ in heaven, ruling with him. So following Jesus actually follows the pattern of Jesus. Just as Jesus died, then rose to life again, and then was raised, we've got, uh, we've got Ascension Day coming up on Thursday, when we remember how Jesus was raised to sit at God's right hand. Paul says... People who follow Jesus follow that same pattern. We all start off dead, but if we trust in Jesus, God gives us new life in him and raises us spiritually to sit at God's right hand and rule with him. Jesus had the power to raise himself from the dead. He has the power to raise us from death spiritual, has the power to raise us from spiritual death now, and he has the power to raise us from physical death in the future. So we've got the before and the after. While we were spiritually dead in our disobedience, he brought us to life with Christ. And why? Well, it is by God's grace that you have been saved. By God's grace, his undeserved favour. After all, none of us can give ourselves life. We don't... Dylan is not responsible for his own birth. Um, that, that was Stuart and Angela. Um, in, Jay was not responsible for his own birth physically, so I cannot be responsible for my own birth spiritually. And it's by God's grace. It's the love that he lo- with which he loves people, even when we haven't done anything to deserve it. 
I mean, I know Jay and Dylan, are, they're really cute and they're looking wonderful in their special clothes today, but I'm guessing, so far in their little lives, they've caused a lot of mess and a pretty huge amount of pain in the process of, uh, of giving birth. They haven't done much other than a few little cuddles and holding of hands to, to earn their parents' love, but, but that doesn't matter because their parents love them anyway, and they then respond to that love. It's not the other way around. The babies don't earn the love of the parents. The babies love in response to the love of the parents, and that's what God's grace is like. God loves in spite of the fact that we don't love him, and it's when we realize that he does love us that we're able to love him in return. That's spelt out a little bit more in verses 8 and 9, where Paul says, For it is by God's grace that you have been saved through faith. It is not the result of your own efforts, but God's gift, so that no one can boast about it. God's grace is a gift. Being a Christian is not uh, primarily about being good, about trying to do good things, or at least it's not about doing good things in order to earn God's favour. Paul does talk about doing good things, but as a response to God's favour. We sang about Amazing Grace earlier on. Uh, I don't know if you know much about uh, the man who wrote it. There, there in his wonderful wig. I'm sure it was trendy at the time. This is a man called John Newton. He lived about, oh, let me get this right, about 100, 250 years ago. He, he started life as a slave trader, going on ships to Africa, stealing people from Africa and selling them into slavery uh, in the West Indies. And whilst he was doing that, he drank a huge amount of rum and slept with a lot of women he shouldn't have slept with uh, as well. He's, uh, it, in fact, I mean, he, was a sla- he, was e- he was so unpopular even amongst the other slave traders that at one point they sold him into slavery. Um, he, he was not a nice man. Uh, at the beginning of his life. But at one point, while sailing across the Atlantic, God rescues him. God, he, he found God's grace, found him. He became a changed man. Uh, and not only did he write Amazing Grace and quite a few other hymns that we still sing today, he also became a leading campaigner uh, against the slave trade. He devoted the rest of his life to telling people about Jesus and to campaigning against uh, slavery. So this is the sort of power that God has uh, to give new spiritual life. But I want to tell you about another person who got new spiritual life as well, because we can look at someone like John Newton and think, yeah, at least I'm not as bad as that. Let me tell you about my wife. I've checked this with her in advance. She says it's okay for me to say this. I I didn't know Caroline when she was a teenager. Uh, She grew up on a totally different continent. Uh, But she tells me that when she was a teenager, from the sound of things, from what she said, from what her parents had said, she was... Yeah, she was a good girl. She she tried hard at school. Uh, she kept the rules. Uh, she didn't uh, she didn't uh, go out and get drunk or sleep around or anything. And yet, she did what she wanted to do. Um, you know, she didn't get drunk because she didn't want to get drunk. 
She was doing what she wanted to do, and she had this sense that she knew that she was doing what she wanted to do, and that this wasn't pleasing God. And so when she was a teenager, she read these particular verses from Ephesians. That's why I wanted to, uh, to mention her today. She, uh, she went away uh, on a, a summer camp and read these verses, for it is by God's grace that you have been saved, through faith. It is not the result of your own efforts, but God's gift, so that no one can boast. And it was through reading these verses and thinking about them that caused her to stop, to turn around, to stop living according to what she wanted. Even though what she wanted looked quite respectable and upright, she gave her life to Jesus and started following him. And that has really transformed her life, um, and now mine as well. Uh, And so when we come to baptise Jay uh, and Dylan... We are, we're asking God to give them this new life in Christ. The parents and godparents will be making promises to bring them up uh, to know Christ and to follow him, uh, to turn away from following I want uh, and to follow Christ. Now, it's a, it's a lifelong process. It doesn't, the transformation doesn't always happen like that. John Newton didn't give up drinking immediately, uh, but he did fight against it uh, and did eventually. So uh, we're promising for these children, and all of us here today will be praying that we will be supporting them and encouraging them to turn away from being spiritually dead, from following I want, to turn to Christ in new life, and to live by his grace, not by trying to earn his favour, but by accepting the favour that he gives us through his son, Jesus Christ. While we were spiritually dead in our disobedience, he brought us to life with Christ. It is by God's grace that you have been saved. So, if you're here today, and if you already trust in Jesus, then you read this verse again and thank God for all that he has done for you in Jesus. And if you don't yet trust in him, then then start now. Jesus has the power to give new life. You don't need to earn God's favour. He will give it to you if you trust in Jesus. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the new life that you offer in Jesus Christ. Thank you for this generous gift by your grace not through our own efforts. And we pray that you would give this new life to Jay and to Dylan now and for the rest of their lives. And please help them and us to follow you uh, in your grace by faith. Amen.